0: Welcome, everyone. I'm your host Kylie Render, and you're listening to the Farmer Story Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Farmer Story Podcast. I'm your host Kylie Render, and today we have the privilege of interviewing Mr. Jake Tissell. He is the owner operator of Crooked Yard Hops in Bozeman, Montana, and yeah, today we're going to get to know him and get to know his story. So, thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here
0: tell me a little, about, a little bit about your farm and anything that you think our listeners should know about what you do.
1: You bet. Well, Crooked Yard Hops, uh, our operation is about eight years old. We're currently operating on a little under 20 acres, growing hops, four different varieties for sale to the Montana brewing community and beyond. Got one hop yard here in the Gallatin Valley, two in Manhattan, as well as a processing facility where we do all of our picking, packaging, pelletizing in gateway.
0: All right. Awesome. So how long have you been farming hops?
1: We just completed our eighth season last fall, so we're going into season number nine.
0: Awesome. How did you get into hop farming? Because that's a little bit more of a specialty crop, you know, especially in Montana, you don't see a whole lot of that. So what kind of got you interested in hop?
1: Yeah. Back when we got started, there was only one other hop farm up in Kalispell, Montana. They were farming about a quarter acre, and we put in an acre, and that was it for Montana hops back then. Oh, wow. Um, Now, there's five operations, and I think there's close to 220, 250 acres of hops in the state between all of us. So, it's grown quite a lot. Um, What got me interested in it was back then I was going to school for mechanical engineering, Mm -hmm. getting my degree and completing internships. Towards the end of my college career, I started to realize that I didn't want to stare at a computer all day (laughs) and wanted to get back to my farming roots. So, finding a high-value, low-acreage specialty crop fit the bill we looked at tomatoes, onions, garlic, all that kind of stuff. And hops in the beer industry just have a very fun allure to them.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So what does a day on your farm look like? What do you kind of have to do every day to keep your farm running smoothly?
1: Well, our operation sees huge push in the spring and a huge push in the fall. A lot of labor required both those times a year. Mm-hmm. The rest of the year, day to day, is a lot of irrigation, a lot of fertilization. Basically, just making sure the plants are happy and healthy and producing the best quality hops we can.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So is your family involved on your farm or is it um, just you and outside labor or how does that work for you guys?
1: Our family is yeah heavily involved in the farm. My brother, Joey, my dad, Dan, they both drive equipment for me. My sisters, they help with the twining and the training every year. My other brother, Nick, yeah, he comes back every year for harvest and helps us get it done. And so it uh, helps have a big family to make this operation run.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: I'd say about half our workforce is family and the other half is, you know, friends, friends of friends, college kids, like whoever I can hire.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think having your family involved in your farm is one of the coolest, most important things sometimes. So what are some aspects of your job slash the agriculture industry in general that people who aren't involved in the industry might not understand or know about?
1: I think it flies over a lot of people's heads how harvest only happens once a year. The whole period of harvest is just so intense. And that's where all of the yield comes from. And that's where all of your work materializes. I've always thought that people should go to farms and see harvest and understand like, okay, like bread doesn't continuously just come out of the store. Like, There is one time per year where like that raw ingredient is produced. Yeah. Can't do it twice a year. We can't do it five times a year. We don't do this every day. Like Mm -hmm. what we get at harvest is what we get. And that's what the world gets.
0: Now we would like to take a moment to recognize our very first sponsor, J-America Off-Road Recovery. J-America Off-Road Recovery is a small locally owned towing company based out of Bozeman, Montana. They are currently serving the city of Bozeman and surrounding areas. They specialize in unique towing and recovery situations with capability for a wide variety of weather, terrain, and vehicle situations. As a small, locally owned company, they provide excellent and personalized service as well as affordable prices. J America is happy to tow any kind of vehicle, and they are proud to boast a 100% success rate. You can contact owner/operator Joey Tussell at 406-599-7945 or JR Adventures 13. At gmail.com. And you can find them on Instagram at official All of this information can be found in the show notes below or on our website at thefarmerstory.com. A huge thanks to Jamerica Offroad Recovery for sponsoring this episode of The Farmer's Story. Now, on to the interview. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I think that people don't understand because, you know, they can go to Walmart any day of the year and get whatever. So I think you're definitely right about that. So what are some unique challenges that you have encountered as a specialty or a non-traditional farmer?
1: The biggest challenge by far has been specialty equipment. The stuff that we're building and using and importing is not traditional equipment. Hop farming equipment mm-hmm. is very popular in Europe. It's not really readily available in the US. Okay. Small-scale drying equipment, pelletizing equipment, all of it, the the entire array of equipment that we've had to assemble fabricate ourselves, modify, and then the expense associated with all of that definitely has been a surprise and, yeah, very complicated thing to navigate.
0: Yeah, I would think that's definitely a challenge. So you kind of just talk about some of your equipment. Can you kind of walk me through the process of processing hops?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's difficult without visual aid. But if folks are interested, they can go to montanahops.com. There's a 15-minute video they can see of the whole process. Awesome. Okay. Largely, it's a stationary process. So we're not driving a combine through the field. We're not driving you know, tractors through the field at harvest. Mm-hmm. We are physically pulling down every vine, and we have tens of thousands of vines, loading them onto trailers and bringing them to our facility, where they're oh, then wow. put through the process. So the hops, the flowers themselves, they look like little green pine cones, are mm-hmm. growing on the vines. They're sent through a machine that strips them off, separates them from the leaf material. We then dry those down from eighty percent moisture to about ten percent moisture, and then pelletize them into a product that the breweries can use. So, grinding them up, pressurizing them into little dense pellets, and then packaging them and freezing them. Okay. So that's what the breweries are actually buying. Is like it looks like uh, rabbit food, or if you're familiar with alfalfa pellets, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what it physically looks like, and that's what the brewers are putting into the beer.
0: Oh, awesome! Okay. So what would you say is different about either marketing or selling your product as compared to other sectors of the industry, like grain or cattle or things like that?
1: There's a lot of pluses and minuses to being non-commodity driven. Specialty crops are totally decoupled from all of that. So Mm -hmm. on the flip side, you know, if you're farming corn, you can just go sell the corn to the elevator or wheat. You can just go sell the wheat to the whoever, Columbia Grain, like they'll buy it yeah. and then you get your paycheck. That's, that's neat. Yeah. On the flip side, you're as a farmer sort of stuck in a system with a lot of price pressure where you don't have a lot of negotiating ability. You don't have a lot of margin. Mm-hmm. So the specialty crops, there's definitely far more work associated with the processing, with the marketing, with the sales, but you do wind up capturing so much more margin doing that direct sales.
0: Yeah, no, that's super interesting because it is a lot different process than a lot of other, quote unquote, more traditional farmers deal with.
1: The other interesting thing is we only have one market. So a wheat grower might have multiple markets. He might be able to sell it as feed. He might be able to sell it as seed. He might be able to sell it to a flour mill. Like, you know, there's half dozen outlets that he might have. The hops industry only has one use beer.
0: Yeah, that was super interesting. So kind of switching gears just (laughs) a little bit to the agriculture industry in general. Do you feel that the agriculture industry as a whole is either underappreciated or misrepresented or misunderstood in our country as a whole?
1: I think in Montana, we're pretty lucky in that people have pretty good exposure to agriculture. I don't meet a lot of people that i just am baffled by with their lack of exposure. <laughs> in traveling around the country, though, yeah, I think there's a lot of places, dense urban areas where people are completely clueless about all of it. You know, food production, meat production water issue i mean like the whole gambit is, yeah. is lost on a large section of the population so you know misrepresented maybe you know there's a lot of misinformation out there for sure people seem mm-hmm. to think that they should only eat meat or there's so many different thoughts yeah. on like diet restriction and all that i think it's so much more related to where you're getting your food you know knowing your the supply chain of custody of of what you're actually eating i think there's a lot of disconnect for sure yeah. And I think that Not as much in Montana, but other places, of course.
0: Yeah. And I think that we are super lucky in Montana that there is so much agriculture that people are more likely to be informed. Yeah. So there's a lot of organizations, you know, PETA, Sierra Club, these things that tend to have negative connotations for farming. Do you guys as a hot farm, have to deal with that at all? Or is that more in other sectors of the industry?
1: When we were raising cattle and when we raised field crops and stuff, I never had any problems with any of that stuff. Mm hmm. Directly I mean, obviously, they cause problems for other people, but yeah, yeah, we've never had to deal with anything. yeah, there's no organizations out there I think that are outspokenly anti-hops like yeah, <laughs> we you kind know. of fly under the radar, so
0: you don't hear that quite as often, yeah. definitely, you know you're talking about the misinformation, you know, especially in dense urban areas, those kind of things. What is your opinion on how the best way to educate people on farming is? you have an opinion on that?
1: personally, I think it's a visual thing, like you know there there's so much information just for free, right? On YouTube, like if you you can just google grain harvest and watch a thousand videos of drones and like everything like oh yeah, how it's made. You can look up, you know, how they mm-hmm. make bread. You can see so much stuff. And that's I think like half the battle is people just it never occurs to them to like, you know, think about for 5 seconds like where does this all come from? How does this all happen? Yeah. More directly, I think that visiting farms, stuff like Farm Fair, we're always open to tours. Anybody that's ever messaged me on Instagram or texted me or called or whatever, Mm -hmm. love to give tours, especially at harvest, just to see the sheer quantity of hard work and meet the people. I mean, a lot of people may have a different perception about what a farmer is. Like, you know, we're not making a million dollars out here. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing our best to supply the the local community.
0: Yeah. I definitely think that's very true. Cause I think that oftentimes with agriculture, it's like this, big thing in the distance. And if you don't actually see it happening, it's just kind of like there and you don't really Mm -hmm. know what's going on. So kind of going back to like specifically your farm, what is something like when you first started farming hops that you were surprised by was a big deal or you just kind of something that kind of took you off guard as far as something you had to do?
1: By far the scope and scale of processing was mm-hmm. like i mean so like this whole building we built this like two years ago like there was, yeah. this was just dirt it was like okay how do we deal with this many plants and there's <laughs> only one solution like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're kind of pigeonholed by the scale of your operation into a certain size of equipment yeah the other thing that was really surprising was specifically with hops people may not think about it as much with wheat and barley but with hops the varieties that you're growing mm-hmm. there are incredibly like large swings in the beer world like the trend will basically dictate what the farmers are growing. Oh, okay. And I sort of understood that before we started farming. I made the decision to basically just hold the path and like kind of try and thread the needle down the middle and grow varieties that would always be pretty popular. Mm-hmm. And that's worked really well so far. But for bigger farms, and it probably someday our farm it will affect us just because of. Popularity of certain varieties of hops, but bigger farms, when you're planting a hops farm, you're basically planting an orchard. Like these plants live for decades. Oh, okay. And so when the craft beer trend changes every two, three years, that's a huge expense and a huge effort to put in different varieties. Yeah. And I also didn't understand the importance of offering a variety of varieties. Being a one-stop shop is something that the big guys have a huge advantage on us, because mm-hmm. the brewer can go to you know their website. They can have access to two hundred different kinds of hops. They can pick whatever they want. I only grow four varieties. That's nothing. It is very much an uphill battle to get people to continually buy from us when it is more expensive and more difficult than <laughs> <laughs> just just go into you know the internet and click buy now.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. I didn't. See, I I had no idea that even like there were that many varieties of hops. That's an interesting aspect of the industry. I know something interesting you were telling me earlier too is the time sensitivity with processing them too and their shelf life and how you guys have to deal with that too. Could you uh, expound upon that a little bit?
1: For sure. So each variety has a different ripeness date, like a peak harvest window. Mm -hmm. And that window is like maybe 10 days. So you have to basically pick when you start your first variety. And know that you can get through that variety by the time the next variety is ready.
0: Oh, okay. And so
1: that's where weather begins to really adversely affect you. If you pick for eight days and you have two days of rain, well, now all of a sudden you're two days behind. So your whole schedule shifts a lot.
0: Oh, wow.
1: As well as the the storage of the hops. Once we've actually pelletized them for cold storage, Mm -hmm. we need to sell through that by the next harvest because once the next harvest comes around, basically no one is interested in prior crop year. It's a weird thing in the industry where the, so 2021 is the current crop year. Mm -hmm. People will buy those hops all day long, but then as soon as harvest happens in August, 2020 crew crop year is current.
0: So the 2022
1: hops are all that anybody is going to buy.
0: Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. So, you know, getting towards the end of the interview, I always ask the same three questions. What is your motivation or the reason that you farm?
1: I really enjoy the beer industry. And I really enjoy how it lets me interact with my family. You know, getting my family out here, getting my girls out here, my wife is involved with the business, just having that kind of communal feel to it, especially at Harvest. A lot of old friends come back for Harvest. A lot of new friends are made. That kind of stuff is just so invaluable from a family and a professional standpoint, like getting the beer people out here, getting brewers out. Mm -hmm. It's just Harvest is so fun.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I definitely think that family being involved on the farm is something that's so special and you, people don't realize how special it is until they're part of it. My second question is what is your vision for the future of your farm specifically and also for the agriculture industry as a whole?
1: As the egg industry as a whole or the hop industry as a whole? Well, either, either way The egg industry as yes. a whole is a huge question. Yes,
0: yes. No, you can <laughs> just the, the hop industry as hmm. a whole. Yes.
1: I'm much more focused these days on some of the side projects that we have going. The Montana mm-hmm. Hops Project is a very much consumer-facing project where, oh, okay. where we're trying to engage the people that enjoy beer with like the eggs side of it. So we're just letting them see visually like tap handles that are out there. That beer is made in Montana. That's using Montana ingredients, putting videos out there, doing the tours, stuff like that, really trying to focus on that. Also, for Montana specifically, we do a festival. Now, every year where all of the beer served is 100% Montana ingredients. Oh, wow. So growing that is really exciting over the next couple of years. The hop industry as a whole in Montana is, it's catching fire. I mean, it's gone way further than I ever would have thought. Mm -hmm. The number of farmers that have stuck with it and the newcomers that have put in huge operations, Flathead Valley Hops up in Kalispell, they came into it with huge operation. And just seeing it successful is extremely rewarding because I feel like we're on to something, you know, I feel yeah,
0: like, yeah.
1: I feel like there's a lot of farms out there that are just sort of, you know, circling the drain, right? They're just barely hanging on mm-hmm. and being part of a growing sector in the ag industry is really exciting.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. My last question for you is what advice would you give to your younger self starting out farming or other young farmers starting out right now?
1: One thing that I definitely regret doing is not spending a serious amount of time working on a hop farm or going to a hop farm or just if I had mm-hmm. gone to a hop farm and spent like a summer or a month just like any amount of time like actually working in the trenches with those guys yeah. I could I, this business would have been so accelerated I've had many, many people work on the farm that are interested in starting hop farms. Okay. And I just tell them everything I know. It's like free information that I got for free, I like to pass it on. So yeah. I, I encourage anyone that's young and in the ag sector that wants to start something. It is so much cheaper to go get an education from the people that are doing what you want to do. Yeah. So if you want to be involved in horses or cattle or hops or whatever, there's a good chance you can go get paid to do that for a summer and learn all the tips and tricks and then go apply it yourself.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's awesome advice and definitely think that that is very practical for anyone who's trying to start out in the ag industry. Um, Well, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for being on the show and I hope that we can talk again soon.
1: Of course, it was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Farmer's Story podcast. Other episodes can be accessed on all major streaming platforms, or you can check out our website at thefarmerstory.com if you would like to contact me directly if you have a question or would like to be on the show you can email me at kylie at all this information will be in the show notes below thanks for listening